from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. I just got Kamehameha waved. Welcome all <laughs> to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Katana Saez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. This is all my fantasy children. It's a tabletop inspired world building, storytelling, and character creation podcast where each week we take your brilliant listener submitted prompts. We take those prompts and spin them into an original fantasy character, legend, world detail, region, city, what have you, and use it to develop a fantasy world one episode at a time. And it's the best show that's ever been conceived. Goddamn right it is. Yeah, fuck yeah. Aaron, how you been? It's been a minute. I know. I have been good. I have been, uh, as the kids say, on that grind. It's been a while since we did this. Holy shit. It's been a while since we sat down and rolled up a donut. Dang. Yeah, by the way, listener, I don't know if you've ever mentioned this before. Jeff and I have been saying that we want to, is it time to make the donuts? And just calling, making an episode, making a donut for fucking almost seven years. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it's been a fucking minute, and I'm excited. What's new with you? What's getting you excited this week? What's up? What? <laughs> what's getting me excited this week? Um, you know what's getting me excited this week? Uh, we got Game Changer is back, like a new season of Game Changer over on hey. Drama. I love Game Changer. Uh, some fun makes some fun made up game shows. Uh, love games. I love game shows. I think this is a well known fact. Yeah, uh, my is canonical. form is game show Muppet host, and so correct. Like, that's a lot of it. I don't know. I've been watching a lot of fun TV. It is. It is the the start of the holiday season. Oh, it is. It's nog time. You know that I love my nog. You know that I love my holidays. I'm a. I'm in a good. I'm. I'm just in a good mood. I got a good energy. The the. It's starting to get cold and wintry, and I yes. I love that energy. Uh, so I'm just in a great place. I'm in a, just I a good, that. just a good energy, a good vibe. I fuck with this. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it is getting cold, which is kind of nice. It's like snuggle time. It's like cuddle on the couch, watch a movie season. That's what I did this morning. Uh, I woke up very early and didn't have to. So I caught up on My Hero Academia just sitting in front of my computer. Fuck it was a great yeah. time. It was like chilly, and I just burned through all current nine episodes. Uh, if this indicates when this was recorded to our listeners, when it gets released, God knows when. But uh, yeah, it was a nice, cozy, like chill winter morning. I am also getting excited about that. Um, it's 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 tis the season, but like more in the way of like the air is crisp. I don't have to like sweat my ass off in the city. Uh, the tourists are arriving, which I find to be very wholesome because I'm never in Midtown. But when I am for like work, I'm like, oh, hello, tourists. Enjoy and be safe. Um, it, it's just a lovely, a lovely time. What's going on with my boy Maneda? Is he, uh, is, he, is he getting up into drama? No, no. Is he uh, dead? My hero, did he die? My, no, he didn't die. But my hero is going off. It's going in a, I feel like it's trying to age with its listeners, meaning like it's uh, matured in tone a lot. Uh, yeah, it's not like the power of friendship. And like, you know, they're not, there's no filler. Uh, there's no filler arc this episode. Okay. This season, okay, I mean. Okay. It's like wild fucking action. If they're doing that thing that I really like. This is what's getting me actually excited. I was thinking about this morning is they're doing that thing that good anime does really well of power scaling where 
the people who think they're really strong face real danger. Like these yeah, kids yeah. face, and they're like, oh, we didn't do shit to help. This is real. Like, did you watch, uh, uh, you watched most of it, right? Yeah, I think I watched the first, I watched the first season of it on Crunchyroll, and then maybe a little bit of the second season. Did you ever meet All for One? Yeah. The big yes. bad. Do you yeah. know when they see All for One for the first time and that fear grips them? Oh, yeah. That moment of like, oh, fuck. Like, this is it's a real thing. It's a lot thing. of that, yes, where they're like, I know we've had a lot of fun on My Hero Academia, but we are actually getting more dark and mature. And you're like, yay, finally, because I couldn't watch them play in bands again. I need action. <laughs> I, watch, I want shonen shows. I want punches. I can't, I can't do fucking Goku picking radishes. I want beams and punches. See, and this is where this is this is a, this is a, a very real moment to peel back the curtains of the secret of of the sh- the magic of our show is yes, that you want I that. I just I would watch a show that is nothing but Goku going on driving lessons. Like Ugh. I just want to watch Goku every week. One episode of Goku proving that he's the most powerful fighter on earth, so that we could have ten episodes of. Now he's got to play baseball, man. And God bless you for that, honestly. And that's what it's all about. Balance. Gotta have a balance. All <laughs> things, all balance. things, all things in unison. All things in unison. But yeah, it's gonna be excited. I feel like the energy is good. I feel good. I, I feel got good. I got a good energy. I'm excited. So let's dive the fuck in. Why don't we? Let's do the it. The prompt this week comes to us from friend of the show, Carlos Cisco. I love you very much. You're a good friend. Prompt Yacht Chudley, 60 time mayor. You know, we say this we say this about ourselves a lot, Aaron. I feel like uh-huh. we give ourselves credit for this a lot, and I need to yeah. we need to pause and then pass that elsewhere. Great name. Great oh, great name. Incredible I have name. To say, this is an incredible Yacht Chudley is so great AMFC name. that I <laughs> am very happy. And 60 time mayor. As we know that Jeff and I went on episode zero, the default elected position in our head is mayor of a city, even though like, you know, they don't really do they don't have like a lot of power in like major cities. It depends a lot on the city. Yes. But Aaron, there's a there's a pitch that I have for this that I think <laughs> is really funny. Give it to me. I've been sitting with this prompt for a few minutes now, and the, uh, a funny idea has popped into my head. It says that Yacht Chudley's a 60-time mayor. Are they a dog? Well, okay, well, okay no, yeah, I'm yes. kidding. I'm no, kidding. No, no, no. I, no we're, wait, we're, wait, stop. No. I want to know what yours was. I just Mine was that interrupt. it says that Yacht Chudley is a 60-time mayor. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't say that Yacht Chudley is a 60-time mayor of the same place. <laughs> and the thing about mayors in all my fantasy children is there's uh, a long-running trend of, like, mayoral shit being determined by contests. what can only be described as stupid contests. Yes, yes. Dumb contests oftentimes elect the mayor in the world of AMFC, in the world of fantasy. Do you want this to be no exception? Where this person kind of just kind of won 60 different contests all over the world? I think they're a traveling gamer. Fucking God. Okay, so Jeff, the Jeff Trope checklist. It's real dumb. Check. A, a traveling tri- triple check. <laughs> and a gamer, you said? A gamer. A capital Fucking G gamer. Capital G gamer. Like a gamer gamer? Like Yacht Chudley, a gamer gamer? Like... In our world, like, you know, like a streamer gamer. I think what I'm envisioning is like Michael Jordan. Okay, so that's a little different. This person is exceptional at... Hmm. Like games, like, or what, like, active, like, you know Stuff. what I mean? Like, they, they don't want to, and I think it's that, like, 
Oh, you mean how Michael Jordan like just wants to win and like will gamble on anything? Is and- constantly winning at things and yes. is like, but is like is like weirdly good at the stuff that he sets his mind to. That that vibe of like I'm gonna be your mayor. I'm gonna be mayor for a year just to prove that I can be the best goddamn like pumpkin grower that that truth has ever seen. <laughs> Okay, so what makes me very happy is that I we've been making this show for so long that I feel the remnants of other characters in this, but I won't tell you, And but I like it, but I will. There's a little bit of that fun boxcar uh, energy of Callahan in here. We're like wanting to be the best, but it's not gambling. This yeah. is games. This is, is it this, this is person issues it? This is competition. This is someone who loves to compete. They love the mayoral race. Yeah, and that's why they're a 60-time mayor in 60 different places, because they get elected, they're like, I'll serve for a, like, I might serve for a year, I might abdicate my post and hand it off to somebody that's actually more qualified for the job. I just really wanted to prove that I could grow the best pumpkin. I love this very much, because, okay, let, let's break what down what you're saying. This is someone who loves the mayoral race. Right. They love the what we'll call whatever the contest is. Those are like the mayoral, you know, campaigns. Yeah. You know, growing a pumpkin, running fast, you know, whatever it is. But they also live to serve the people like as competitive as they like to win. Then they know that, like, I'll serve for a year. What do they is it ego or is it they go and like if your town is run by a corrupt mayor, does Yacht Chutley? I know they have a name that implies that they're like an asshole. But what if they're not? My pitch to you is, what if they find towns that are run by corrupt politicians and Yacht Chudley goes and challenges them to show the people like, yo, we can take this shit back. This is, like, is this a freedom fighter? That's great. I was just thinking about this in terms of like, I really like games and want to prove that I'm good at games. That can but also like, be true, though. Why can't so, it be both? Uh, let's hit it. Let's let me. I I. I have been ch- uh, the I've been checkmated. This is yeah. how it feels to be on the other end of this, and I feel. I just shamed. held up uh, <laughs> my my mirror shield, and you turned to stone. So here's what I'm pitching for how it's both. In his younger day, like he got into this, right? Like he was a, a an ultra competitor since uh, since youth, right? Like he's just into into competition. Yes. Uh, as long as he's lived, he's just been like, I love games. Like if you oh, put a game in front of me, I have a I have a a, a something to add to that. This person is a Dragonian. They are yes, a dragonborn. Yes, I was thinking born. the exact same thing. They love games it. and competition and dragon, and they'll turn anything into a contest. So this is someone who's like born of dragon, you know, loves the game circuit, loves the challenge, the contest, the festival. And I like as I grew up in this place where that was a thing, right? Where you could turn anything into a competition. And yes, was like naturally just has an aptitude for... Like, there are people that have an aptitude for games, specifically. Like, there's this mindset of, like, I know how to play. Like, when something is presented to me as a game, I uh, pulling back the curtain and dropping and naming our influences, uh, I recently went on a bend and listened to about 15 different 30 for 30 podcast episodes. Nice. Uh, Just listening to weird little sports stories. And, like, hearing, talking, hearing, uh, one of them was about Baccarat Advantage players. Okay. Uh, and like advantage players in any card game, the idea where you you learn the rules of a card game well enough that you can show up and have the advantage at a casino. Yes, 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 yes. It's a skill that, and that's a that's a skill that like you have to be able to see things and perceive things in a certain way that like 
when something is framed to me in a competition, I am preternaturally good at finding the ways to exploit that rule, that competition and those rules to put me in an advantageous position. So I'm just really fucking good at games. Yes. Like, uh, Yacht Chud, let's roll for Yacht Chudley's pronouns real quick. Which we, ah, we haven't made, we haven't made just like a character in a minute. Um, by the way, on AMFC, we rolled find characters pronouns on a D6. One to two, he, him, uh, three, four, she, her, and five, six, they, them. Yeah, Chudley, we got a one, so he, him. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's an advantage player in the truest sense where, like, he's very good at, like, stepping into a competition, right? And being like, okay, here's the rules that are laid out to me. I could, you know, I can legally within the rules do this, and it's not cheating. It's just a play that is not strictly forbidden by the rules. And what something I'd love to add to that is they understand something that I learned from being relatively bad at learning games is there are people who pick up like a tabletop game with this PDF and it's almost like they L from Death Note, like scan it, break down. People understand mechanics and pick them up really well. I'm always impressed. I think of them as like watchmakers, you know, being able to look inside all those gears and make sense of how something works. That's what I feel like Yacht Chudley can do where it's like, yeah. Oh, I see that skipping rocks is literally not a test of it's not a it's not a challenge of strength. It's more about the technique and the, like the angle of the arm whipping this rock at the flattest angle with the fastest rotation. So they are uh, they're like a tech. If you were to put them in Mario Tennis, they would be a technique player. Yeah, I think that's sick because I love that. I like and that 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 trans and that kind of understanding transfers to so many you can you know, like put that mechanical focus onto so many different things that they are just weirdly good at the act of deciphering games. I love that. Now, I have session zero by Megan Cross in front of me. Do we want to pull some cards? Yes, I I, I want to finish. I want. I, I realize I never actually finished my thought because I went. <laughs> we went down three in the true AMFC fashion. We went down six rabbit yeah, holes. I swear to God, I was going. I know that we were talking about something else a second ago, but anyway, <laughs> in his younger days, like he's always oh, yeah. been this way, where he can like decipher mechanics. And if you lay out, if you if you lay out, what was the card game that we said we swore we were never going to break down the rules for, and we were just going to keep adding rules to? Oh God! Was it slice? Uh, it was. I think it was called Slice. Yeah. If you put a slice sled, uh, a slice spread in front of him, he's like, "All right, well, here's the card that's going to be the maker, and this this uh, this whole spread is here to to push the maker into the end position as quickly as possible." I <laughs> slice. <laughs> I'll um, never explain the mechanics. Nope. And anybody, <laughs> I know there are people that have listened to those episodes and been like, I could probably figure out how this works and I'm just going to keep throwing mechanics at you. Yeah. Slice will gradually get more and more complicated where, you know, the drawer has to pull from the deck of, of pulling. But once that card is pulled, the drawer has to draw three more cards from the graveyard. And once they're placed in defense mode, they can never be put back in the pulling deck ever again. That's it's it's a, and you gotta and you gotta decide which of your cards you're gonna put into defense mode for that exact reason. Correct. But it also has to do with the ratio of your life to attack points, whether or not you can even flip them based on the that's the players. Now the character cards are a totally different scenario. Where if the character cards come from the graveyard, they then have to reverse their stats. Now the stats are attack, agility, and charisma. But charisma directly affects vitality, which vitality, strength, and vigor are the three hidden stats 
that are on the underside of every single card. But if they're in the graveyard, you have to reverse that. But anyway, we're off track again. <laughs> Supernaturally good at like looking at a spread of cards and like piecing together like how the strategy of that hand of cards is going to go. Like, yes, you put you put him on a you put him on a on a on a court, right? For like a sport game, he's able to be like, okay, see how this player is standing in this position. That's going to mean that they're really going to rely on that player for offense. You, the, the strategy here is to just contain that player because they really think that that's their star. Yeah, and I and I like this idea. I like the idea of sports too coming in because Yacht Chudley might not be the person who plays the sport. This is more of like the coach, the strategist. Yeah. You know, rather than like, I play every game. You know, 60-time mayor, Yacht Chudley in their younger days might have been like campaign manager to several people. And like was yeah, and I think like like is is good at playing games and his younger days got like got really into the idea, like fell in love found like a small town, right? Lived in a small town. Lived in a small town. I think I think his I think their fa- his family left the flying city of Dragon at a young age. Mm-hmm. And they moved to the small town of Stickyborough. The small town of Stickyborough. <laughs> they moved right. to the small town of Stickyborough where the mayor, the position of mayor was decided once a year by climbing a wall that has been, has had sticky honey poured on top of it. Sticky Burrow is It's an is obstacle known, course. There's like it's, a, it's a big obstacle course where everything is very sticky. Everything is they're known for, they're a beekeeping community. Of course. And the so honey. like they take, they take some of the honey and they kind of celebrate it by being like, we're pouring honey on the obstacles. If you get stuck, you're out of the race. Oh, you mean the honey run when they do the, honey the annual honey run? <laughs> Decide who runs the town, and the honey run. uh, It's for people who uh, like it's celebrating honey, yes. But you have to have a deep understanding of like, okay, if the bees have been eating, you know, wildflower this year, it's gonna the honey's gonna have a different viscosity. So if you wear a certain kind of shoe, you can like glide on top of the honey rather than sticking into it. Right, and so like he, like he, he became obsessed with like as somebody that grew up around games and competition, and was really taught from a young age, like this is how games work, like this is how the rules work. These are the ways that you can build advantage. He just naturally gravitated to that, and like the first time that he entered the Honey Run, won it effortlessly because he was like he was this. exactly like that. He's like, I know the right shoes to wear, I know the right gear to bring. Effortlessly wins, and then quickly realizes like. I actually don't like being mayor. Like I like doing the I like doing the honey run, but then I have to do paperwork for a year. I don't want this. So like left, and so like that kind of segues into what you were saying. God, ten minutes ago of uh, the show moves fast, y'all. I think that we don't. It does. I don't think we remember how fast this show goes until (laughs) until we look at the clock and we go twenty one (laughs) eighteen. But I think like segues into that sense of like you know travels around spend some time just being like i'm gonna win your competition just because i want to win the competition but eventually realizes oh i can do this for good and becomes a sort of like campaign manager for hire of like if you need a ringer like i like you tell me your plans to be mayor and if i feel like you're the right candidate i'll go win your fucking pizza tossing competition or whatever the fuck yeah and then i'll give the mayor like crown to you the person who deserves it yeah, which my my thing about this is even in the town of what was it Sticky Burrow? Sticky Burrow. In Sticky Burrow, how Yacht Chudley got good at like learning got good with a U at learning honey the honey game is Yacht Chudley is a person of the people. Yacht Chudley meets people like you know is naturally good at learning shit, but you still have to learn it. 
So I feel like spent time with the beekeepers, getting to know the people, like was doing mayoral type shit, like getting to know the community, understanding honey, understanding beekeepers, the people who make the honey, the reason, like the the cultures, because I don't want them to be fucking um, the music man where they roll into towns and shake things up. What I want it to be is like they spend time with people, learn what these people like genuinely need and are wanting in their community and need in order to like to thrive and provide it or or win this contest and give them a mayor that they deserve. And I think that that the thing that like I think that if you ask Yacht Chudley really at any point, even when he's kind of just traveling around for the love of the game. Yeah. Like there's a vibe where he would be like, they'd be like, well, why didn't you just stay? Like you've earned to be the mayor. And he's like, the one thing I learned is that like, I don't know shit. Like I know how to like <laughs> charm people. I know people. I know people and I know games, but like, I don't fucking know Paul. Like I don't like, I know that I don't know a lot of stuff. Yes. Oh, and, and that's important because if they say, you know, they win the race of Sticky Burrow, right? And the crown is placed, the, the mayoral crown, it's not a sash, is placed on Yacht Chudley's head. And it's got like little hives on it, little honey crystals. There are actually, um, there are actually like literal, um, because this is a town that is like so built around the act of beekeeping, which is itself this kind of like harmonious coexistence with, we're both like humans and bees are both beings that could kill one another in an instant. So there's a lot of like living harmoniously that goes into beekeeping. Yes. And so like there are literal to represent that there are literal beehives planted into the crown so that bees come out and fly around. And it's the act that the bees bees are so comfortable living on your head and flying around your head and don't sting you. That shows that like you as the head of the community have like arranged this peacefully. And I and I, what I love about this is Yacht Chudley wins the fucking you know the the honey run the honey right? run <laughs> but that that doesn't mean that they are a, a, a communicator with the bees or even deserve to run a city. I feel like this is the moment where Yacht Chudley has get this bee thing put on his head, the crown, and he's like, no, I need to give this to uh to Diane Honeywell, the the beekeeper who fucking provided all this honey, like who's been tending to the hives. I feel like this is someone who goes around 60 times dismantling this idea that whoever wins a dumb contest gets to decide the fate of your city. This is mm -hmm. someone who goes around and is like, no, I'm going to win, but then I'm going to hand, I'm going to crown the person who actually deserves this, who like can actually provide the needs of your city. And that's why they're a person of the people where like they go and they meet people and they, you know, I guess they're like, oh, they, they meet someone, they make a connection. And they're like, this is who should be leading the town. This is actually King Arthur. You know what I mean? They find the person who should be running the city and who should be, you know, the stable person yeah. is actually the greatest leader that the city will ever know. And they give that person a platform after winning a dumb fucking contest. And so I and and uh, if I can if I can go full 30 for 30 for a second, please. I imagine that there is a monologue here where it's like <laughs> Chud y Yacht Chudley is sitting and talking about this and he's like. Yeah, I won. Like, I did it. This was, I'd been training for this. I had been working for this and I won. And it was the greatest feeling in the world when that crown got put on my head and nobody saw this. Nobody knew this, but I got stung. Yeah. A bee just flew right up, stung me right in the back of the neck. It hurt and I couldn't wince. I couldn't react, but I knew in that moment, like, oh, these bees on my head are going to keep stinging me. Oh, there's meaning to that. And I finally understand why you put a goddamn beehive into my hat. 
I'm not the person that's supposed to be running this. Like yeah. somebody else is going to be able to wear this crown and not get stung. And I'm not that guy. I might be the guy to win the game, but I'm not the guy to wear this crown for the rest of the year. Exactly. And after they, you know, they left Dragon, they they think they're hot shit. Because I feel like in back in when they were a kid, like growing up in Dragon, they were just crushing it. You know, like kid phenom, you know, sweeps stone throwing competition, wins the storytelling competition, wins the, you know, uh, uh, candy unwrapping competition. Wow, this who is this kid? But then they dip, the family leaves, and they end up in um, Sticky Bottom, Sticky Burrow. <laughs> and, you know, that's when everything changes of like, oh, it's it's really is winning isn't everything. I think that what is cool about this and like what ultimately and like if we can flash forward. Of course. I think if, as they're an end point, because I think I, I love a good I love a good I used it. The Jeff Stormer checklist. I love a good I used to travel and I don't anymore. Yeah. If Yacht Chudley, like, after becoming 60 Town Mayor, is, like, an old, old person who then, like, becomes, like a, like, a scholar and a writer on the art of game. Yes. That's sick. That's sick to me. And like, oh, like I love like, that a lot. It's, like, breaking down, like, because, like, the idea that, like, game has a different meaning in different cultures and places throughout the world of fantasy. If there's a person who's, like, I've played in so many games, I've seen how people interact with play, I'm just going to start writing books on like the act of play and like how that translates and like the weight that people put on that and just becomes like a scholar and journalist on the act of game craft i love what's the book called is it winning isn't everything or is it um running the race it's called running the race running the race my my 60 times at the top okay because if we think about winning 60 times like you know let's say it's 60 different competitions in fantasy, if someone's lifespan is like a fucking thousand years, that's not that much. Then I would like to let's flash to when this person was learned from Sticky Burrow, knows what they want to do, and is now like, I gotta fucking hand crowns over to people who deserve it and start traveling town to town, basically beating people in stupid competitions so that they can, you know, give the town to somebody who deserves it, basically. So that Samuel Gordon, Chad Butternut, like don't happen ever again, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing doesn't happen everywhere kind of dismantling this system of letting people who win a game decide what happens in a town <laughs> yeah so is it just they find they travel from town to you know as we do on all my fantasy children they travel from town to town or do we want to pull cards let's pull some cards i do have a note for like what puts them on the road yeah give me i think that the way that they abdicate the crown is that they like leave which makes it a real weighty decision right yes it's like there's no like there's no out clause there is no retirement clause like you you did the honey run like you signed up for this you have to like leave you have to like leave the community not to return because you have a responsibility if you return and so there's like i'm leaving i am passing the crown in my final order to miss honey honeywell yep uh i'm handing the crown to them this is yours now, like, and I am departing never to return, like, you have, and so, like, goes and finds a town that needs someone that is good at games and spends time there learning the game and learning the people and does it and then either leave, either, like, leaves as a, like, I'm leaving and never coming back or, like, puts a system in place, but that first time, that first time, there's no going back to Sticky Burrow. No, it, it, like, something that I'd like to 
talk about is how it's a little disruptive in Sticky Burrow that they have this honey run and it's been decided. Everyone's, yeah, cheering. This person shows up, fucking is not from Sticky Burrow, crushes all these like, you know, honey masters and wins and is like, oh, I don't want it. I don't want to lead you. It's almost like people being like, what the fuck? What are you, what are you talking about? The fuck? Like, this is how we've been doing it for like a thousand fucking years. And it's not them saying like, oh, well, maybe this system is wrong. You know what I mean? Like dismantling an entire fucking culture. It's more of just they kind of fucked up because I'd like to this be like this was their first realization of a misstep of yeah. like, oh, if I win, oh, fuck. I actually there's consequences to winning. They're going to look to me as the fucking leader. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And had like a huge freak out moment and just dipped. It was like, no, no, no. It, it's Diane. Diane is deserving. I imagine them backing out of the city, putting the crown on Diane's head. Like, no, no, no. Diane is, is your leader. I have to go. Oh, my fuck. What have I fucking done? Because th- it's, yeah. it's a real dick move to do this. Because I keep thinking about if my town, if Mount Holly, fucking whoever picks the biggest holly berry becomes mayor and actually has power. Somebody shows up and just says, like, I don't want, I won, but I don't want to be mayor. It fucks up the entire future of the town. You know, even if the change is for good, it causes disruption. And that's like Yacht Chudley's like big fuck up moment is this first thing in Sticky Burrow. And realizing, and realizing that he did it without a plan. Yes. Right? Like, I think that that kind of, that that pushes him really nicely into that sense of like, I have to do this for a purpose. Like, this is my purpose because I did this once without a purpose, and I see how badly it fucked things. How badly, like, I see the strain it put on the town that made me, like, when I when I, when I I started to leave, like, I saw the stress that I put into the people of this community. Yeah. And I realized if I was going to do this, it had to be done with a plan. Yes. And that is what moving forward Yacht Chudley does is traveling, you know, ends up in another town after that in their low period. And I feel like what I liked about your thing about Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan can't help himself when it comes to like yeah. competition. That's what happened at the second town where just so happens Yacht Chadley shows up at the town of um, Snakebite. I don't fucking know. Um, and in Snakebite, they are, you know, whoever crafts the strongest venom. I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. Oh, I was... I was gonna say it's the it's the snake bite festival, and there's just a big snake that bites you, and the longer you let the snake bite your arm, like whoever whoever holds it the longest, that's the mayor. Whoever has the strongest resistance to poison, it's like poison resist competition where you just let venom <laughs> circulate in you. Um, and Yacht Chudley is like, fuck no, no, I said I left this behind. And then lo and behold, there they are, the snake dangling from their arm for like three fucking days. And they're like given the, you know, the snake scepter. And then they're like, they're like, y'all, you see how you see this, right? They're like, you see what this is, right? <laughs> this is, this is really stupid. <laughs> and so what is their solution? You know, what is the plan for fixing it? I know that's a lot for us, you and I to figure out on the spot of like, how do they now win and pick? Do then they go like, hey, we're going to have an election. Like, you know, do they just change to the democratic process afterward? Or because I don't want him to roll because what it felt i feel like the first time yacht chudley totally felt like he was disrupting someone's culture the first time it was the music man and we yes. and i and i don't want it to always be the yes. music man but what is with something where yacht chudley realizes like yeah the snake bite competition is fucking intense but i can't judge these people because this is what peeling back the curtain this is what a lot of fantasy trope is where a lot of fantasy is the music man 
where someone shows up from an advanced civilization of Atlantis and shows people how to live. This is our opportunity, Jeff, to be like, so what does he do in order to avoid the fantasy trope of basically like colonization? Right, right, right. You know? It's a very good question. Right? It's a challenge to find the right fit for this. Like, because we can just say it's like whoever places second or, okay, okay. I said at the beginning that Yacht Chudley might be a campaign manager. Is this someone who travels from town to town? Get this. Shows, knows how to win the games, right? Passes that knowledge on to a mentee and then they win. So this is the 60 time mayor with like an asterisk, like, in their heart, they have won 60 mayoral campaigns I, because they have trained someone to, given their gift of ability and skill, and trained them, like all mighted them in the way of like, here's how you can be the best at this game, you know, a uh, person at coffee shop, and then they win the snake bite competition. I, I want to take that and I want to twist it slightly. Okay. I want to put the slightest twist on it because I think that's it, right? Like, I think the answer is, and I think that you you laid this out earlier and it was really, and it's it's perfect is like, he is the man of the people. He shows up and it's not that he shows up and he's like, I'm going to win your game and break your system. It's yeah. like, he's like, okay, I understand that this is a, this process is important to you. I am going like, he spends time here. He meets the people. He finds the person and he's like, you have a vision for the town. You have a vision for the community and his, and like by being campaign manager, he literally does like step up and like be like, I'm going to win the game. Like I'm, I'm your second. I'm your manager. Like I am, I am. I feel like we, we, we're, we're talking about someone who provides, gives the resources to someone who does not have them, but has the drive and passion that could really help their community. Yeah. So he's like, look, you, you lead. If you like, you lead. I'm good at, I'm good at slice. Like I, I've got my slice, I've got my slice deck, uh, pre-built, pre-cut. I'm ready to go. Like you put me at a slice table, like I can rack up points and I can get to the, I can get to a platinum tier within 12 turns. Fuck. Like uh, that's fine. And he's like, I'll do that. I will sit down. I know how to, I know how to play slice. Like I'll sit down at the table. I'll play the game. And then when I win, like I was playing for you and you are announced as the mayor. And it's just a matter. It's recognizing like these rituals are important, but they, but, but. It's about fine. It still can be about finding the the person with the yeah. best vision for the town. It's about leading. A lot of the things that I want to preface about these competitions is that in fantasy, it's about the competition too often, not about the person who wins should decide what happens with the town. People can fucking win, but they shouldn't be given power just because they fucking let it snake bite them for the longest fucking amount of time. Because I feel like it runs into a fantasy has a lot of problems that we haven't learned through the talking about the show. So I feel like what this person does is because I don't want them to be like going to towns that are fucked up and like helping help like winning contests for other people. What I mean is like gives them teaches this idea of game theory, basically, and breaking down mechanics that they their 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 gift that they were given. They basically coach someone who they feel is deserving or or just they bump into and they, you know, I don't know. I think that's right. I think it's that pulling back to the 30 for 30, it's the person that like was like, yeah, I was a great athlete, but like I realized that I was better as a coach than I was as a player. And yeah. it's, and in this case, it's not because they're a better, not because not on a tactical level. It's like I realized that like if I taught you, if I teach somebody how to do the thing, 
Like, it is a lot easier to teach somebody how to be good at Slice, to teach the right person to be good at Slice, than it is to, like, dismantle a system, especially because, like, as an outsider, it's not my place to dismantle the system. And I they saw don't have what that, that did to people. Yeah, and they don't have that ability, is the thing. They're just good at fucking games. That doesn't yeah. mean that you know how to run a fucking city. And and the part of, and, and part of, disma- part of saying, yes, this election system is broken, is dismantling that city and is is accepting that role of power and they're like i'm not the guy to do that there are people that can do that yes but they are people in this community the best thing that i can do is teach that person to be really good at stone throwing and if they if they need me to step in as their second like i can but like i like it's it's about finding the person and finding what is going to be most helpful for them it is about finding the revolutionary in the town basically, who needs the push, who needs the assistance, who needs, I know that I can change shit and this system is fucked because it is like, you know, if, if, if Yacht Chudley grew up in Dragon, they know that fire of competition that like kind of almost envelops the city sometimes, you know, in a bad way and and creates this pervasive competitiveness that is kind sometimes as we learn in like the, I think the Lance Crossblade episode, like pervasive, it doesn't help. And although, like, the Lance Crossblade episode, we learned that that kind of gets diminished in terms of, like, toxic competition and, like, infighting, it is still around where everything's a challenge, everything's a competition, and the idea that that is around in fantasy would bother them in terms of, like, no, I I don't want this, so I see people who are like me and want to remove this idea of whoever wins the competition gets to decide, call the fucking shots, because it might just be the strongest person, but not the greatest person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what Yacht Chudley does is provide that to a revolutionary in a town who's like, I love my culture. I love this fucking competition. I love that. I love that we, whoever restores the watch the fastest gets to become mayor and decide things. And I love watchmaking. I love everything about this. But the person who is currently fucking beating us year after year after year is like a fucking tyrant. And so mm-hmm. Yacht Chudley would be like, okay, I don't want to win, but I can show you how. And that's kind of it. And it's kind of, I feel like the, the dilemma that we're having with writing this, of avoiding this thing, is part of Yacht Chudley as well. For part of, part of Yacht Chudley's life is never really, Sticky Burrow never goes away. The yeah. feeling that, am I disrupting a culture? Am I, am I hurting people? Am I the problem? Am I becoming very messy and getting my fingers involved in places that don't involve like, a, you know, am I creating, am I altering history in a bad way? If yeah, like yeah, yeah. is a thing that bothers Yacht Chudley until their last breath on fantasy. Oh yeah. I love that. And I think that's, that's part of why they like, they, they write this, these theory books as part, is they're kind of grappling with the legacy of like that time in Sticky Burrow. They're like, yeah, I disrupted a tradition and like that was fucked. That was a fucked thing to do. And I, I spent a lot of the rest of my my time like trying to fix enact things, change, enact change and fix things and help people within the context of those of those traditions. But like, I don't know if I was ever really doing that or if I was always just fucking things up from the outside. Damn. Yeah, Chudley, tortured soul. There's a way to that. Yeah, of course there is. Like, well, you know, we we talk about it a lot. Like, 
it's fun to talk about fantasy adventures in terms of a marathon where you break the tape, right? The person wins, then the camera cuts away. And it's like, no, 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 what's next? After you slay a giant, say like, you know, no, a dragon's attacking the town and someone kills it. They commit an act of violence against this giant being that's causing all these problems. What then? Who are they afterward? How does that affect them? Is, is something that I like talking about in terms of fantasy because we love camera cuts away, the end credits roll. But if we're actually creating like a world, what happens afterward? And this is a perfect, this is not a perfect example, but it's an example of like, we saved the town. Okay, but, but did you? Because now who the fuck is going to be mayor, yacht? You won a 7,000 year old competition that happens every year. You know nothing about the town of Sticky Burrow. You learned a little bit about honey and viscosity, but like you don't know how to, you don't know our internal politics and like, you know, customs and stuff like you know a little you've been here for a little bit, but like you don't know fucking everything. Good job. Now what? And so that kind of thing is what Yacht Chudley, I feel like, has to live with forever is the idea that they went from place to place. Yes, like platforming people who are platformless, but then kind of leaving. You know, not seeing the fruits of their labor develop and see if they actually made positive change. Yes, there's like, you know, word travels on the wind about like the fate of, you know, snake bite and things like that. So they know that like, okay, everything's still fine. But I feel like it's something that still tugs at them because like we said at the beginning, winning isn't everything. That's why the book is running the race where it's like, when do you stop? You know, Yacht Chudley mm-hmm. had a hard time finding out like, when is it over? You know, yes, the game is won, but like the the world keeps spinning. The credits don't roll after you win. And like yeah. what happens afterward in these towns is what, as we learned in the Samuel Gord story, is what's really fucking important. Is not the competition means jack fucking shit if, you know, a cricket eventually destroys half the city. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Do we want to pull some cards to learn a little bit more about? Let's I do feel, it. Let's- I feel like that's like a good place. Like that yacht is this sad older man, like sitting, writing this book hoping that their words can like echo in people's hearts about it's something we harp on a lot in all my fantasy children of like be careful of your adventuring quest even in a world of like fantasy and fiction because if you're treating it honestly you know there are consequences to your heroic actions you know you're not always the fucking hero in everyone's eyes all right so can you draw me a a card from a deck of cards please we're gonna play a little bit of session zero but megan cross yes i can so how this is going to work, uh, listener, hearts are the suit of happiness, clubs are the suit of bonds, spades are the suit of sadness, and diamonds are the suit of character. And we're going to draw from one of these four piles to get a prompt about Yacht Chudley that'll help us learn a little more about them before we wrap. I got the six of clubs. Okay, so clubs are the suit of bonds. Oh boy. A powerful entity once made itself known to you. What circumstances led to this meeting? Who was the entity? What did this meeting entail? So this is a formative moment in the life of Yacht Chudley. Okay. Because there's an aspect that like we haven't touched on. This is a great card pull because there is an aspect of all of this that we haven't touched on. That like we make a lot of jokes about like mayors are decided by contest. But the thing that we haven't addressed, and I think that I think Yacht realizes pretty from a young age, or like pretty early in his journeys, is like, oftentimes the role of mayor is tied up in some kind of like extremely big fantasy thing. I'm thinking of 
Stuffed Shell? Is that the name of the community that, like, elects a mayor and they elect a mayor that has to then fight a demon? Yeah, like, you are elected to the, the pasta bowl is decided, which it's about pasta or something. But it was a joke. But Aaron, our point, the show is amazing. The show is amazing. <laughs> the pasta bowl was to decide the leader of Stuffed Shell. It was like a cooking competition or something. But they have to, like, yes, it was, like, funny about, like, teaching people to cook. But then they have to, like, banish or kill a demon. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, there, like that's part of it. Is like, is like a lot of times these rituals are not just for like who's gonna decide where the stop signs go. It's like who's gonna go give the food to the giant so the giant doesn't smash the town. Okay, and it's like I have a I have a pitch for this then. Yeah. In Snake Bite, the snake is this like primordial serpent that comes and it has to bite. It has to. It has to give someone venom. It's going to do this. It comes every fucking year. And it started with one brave person who basically like blocked its fang and took it for the town. Like so that no one else, someone, some hero stood in the way of like someone unprepared, took the venom, died. And that tradition of protecting the town came. So it's not a fucking game. Like, like you're saying, it's not a silly contest. It started from someone saying, I will stand up and protect my town. And I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. And it ties it. It's that idea of like, there are, so yeah, that, that, that entity is this, is this, uh, ancient primordial snake for the, like, yacht, like won this, won this contest because he kind of got pulled into it. I was like, well, I'm going to fucking do it. Cause I can see that like you, there's no rule against casting a spell, you know, healing magic. Or, like, tying off veins to be, like, yeah. I'm blocking the venom from going to other parts of my... Like, there's no rule against, like, playing the rules of the game. And then they're like, great, so you're going to go fight the snake. You're going to go confront the snake god. Like, what? I don't want to do that. But you're the mayor. You go go do that. that. That's what you have to do. That's what that's what we all do to decide who can defend the town from from the great snake. That That's who, how we decide the mayor. And I think that's that's a great moment for, for him to realize, like, oh... That's why that's one of the reasons why these rituals are so important is because there are history to them and there yes. are stories to them and there is meaning to them and there's weight to them. And so, like, you can't just be the you can't just be the music man coming in and going, ah, your tradition is dumb Buy a monorail. Yeah, I'm going to win this. It's like even the pumpkin competition. We decided in the Sprout Brussels episode that it was Sprout Brussels creating food for halflings that made yeah. them the first mayor. It was like, here, I, I learned how to farm in darkness, feed my friends, eat. And then they were elected leader for providing for people. And it's sp- so all of these, we call them, we call them a lot like dumb contests come from usually like an act of bravery or selflessness or kindness that have over time, like through the game of telephone, basically gotten shittier and shittier as things tend to do. And I, I love that there's this moment where they get to snake bite. Where they're visited by, we said they're visited by a powerful entity once made itself known to you. I feel like in the town of Snakebite, this is the town right after Sticky Burrow, right after they fucked up. And they're sleeping at the inn. It's the day fucking before they're about to compete. And like, yes, this is the first time they ever shared their insight with somebody. This is the first time they had like a mentee. You know what I mean? This is the first time that they've tried like spreading it. But they're still going to compete because yeah, Chudley just can't help him fucking self. He cannot help himself. So he's resting at the inn, and over him, this figure appears, this shadowy being, this mountain of an individual, this, uh, her name, 
was uh uh her name was geez i don't know snake words um was fang sunbright and fang turns to yacht chudley and says i am the one who first gave their life for this town this is not yours walk away yacht chudley move on from this town i see what you're doing but move on and it was like the scariest fucking Christmas Carol moment of their life. We're like, oh fuck, I am the problem. Mm-hmm. I am a fucking mess. And they left in the night. And everybody, I feel like, was the town of Snakebite was like, yo, this fucking newcomer, this yacht Chudley, they're about to fucking crush us. Like, oh my God, everybody's coming to see. They don't show up. Their mentee, bang, blocks the snake bite, becomes the mayor. Town is saved. Town works great after that, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like that was the pivotal moment of like, that's when they learned that they kind of suck shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me one more card, and we'll uh, learn. Because I love, I love that Yacht Chudley is like a complete fuck up. The Ace of Hearts. Okay, Hearts are a suit of happiness. Let's give him some happiness. Everyone has their tales of triumph. What story from before your adventuring days are you most proud of? Why do you still tell it? I have an answer for this. Okay, I'm thinking again about thirty for thirty, and yep. I'm thinking again about sports stories. Uh, there is a very relatable thing, and like it's a theme that comes up a lot when you hear ath- like pro level athletes talk about the game. Yeah, when you when you and it, and this is true of any art form or any creative thing. We're about to get heavy about art and making things and all of this stuff. When you make that a career, it becomes harder. To, like you hear this with, with pro football players, right? Like when I when I became a pro football player, it became hard. Like I couldn't think about football as a game anymore. Yeah. Like well, like when you're at that high level of competition, it tramples the ability to think about this thing as a as like as an as a thing you do for fun because yeah. it is the thing that you are doing to win. Like it changes like what you are getting out of it. Yeah, it's the feeling of that I get sometimes when I'm like it's me doing silly voices isn't the thing I used to make people laugh in like class or like make my friends giggle at when we're like sitting around playing Halo. It's like work now. It feels like different. It's not yeah. it's not the, as special. It's not a magical thing just for me. That's why like I think there's there's a a childhood stoneboard. Stoneboard is a grid-based uh board game. Uh, it's like a tactics war game that yeah. you use that you have like a board and you have to control the board. It's there's a little bit of chess, a little bit of go. It's of that nature of game, right? Like it's a very classic Stoneboard 39K. Stoneboard 39K. Only because there have been 39,000 versions of Stoneboard. Yes. Uh, we'll do an episode about the history of Stoneboard <laughs> and the different like stories that have come from it. But Stoneboard 30, 39K, like he spent a tremendous amount of time. You know, when he was a kid, I think this was the first game that he loved. And this was the first time, like, he entered a stoneboard tournament. And, like, he, as a kid, and, like, he tells the story of winning that tournament because he won that tournament, like, for fun, right? Like, it was the first time he did it, and he did it for fun. And so he still tells the story. He's like, the other person, they had this play set up where I was in the corner, and what I had to actually do was... Uh, was build like a path from my corner to the other corner. It was the only way that I could win. But in doing so, I separated the two halves of their their board so that they couldn't reap the benefits of having a connective line. And it's a crazy play. It shouldn't have worked. If they hadn't made the exact move that they made, it would not have worked. And you can see him light up. And it's that way that when somebody is talking about it, you see their body language change. Yeah. 
and they just he just gushes about it because that was when playing games was a game like that was the moment where he was like it's the best it's the best game i've ever played because he was playing it for fun instead of like everything that came after yeah instead of this very complicated shitty emotional quest of am i saving the world through games i love that their one triumph tragically in mfc style it's from like their childhood that they hold on to of like remember when doing this was we did this for fun yeah. Ah, alas. What was their book called? I know it was something running the race. Running but... running the race my 60 times at the top. Oh, damn. Yeah. And that's it's a lot of the book is about like reflecting back on like did you did I even make a single contribution that was worthwhile? And mm-hmm. he'll never know. Is the sad part as it often is, but you know, did his best even if he's a shithead. Or maybe not. I don't know. It's complicated. I I I think that it's com- I think the answer is it's complicated. I think he ultimately does do a lot of good for a lot of communities by going like by helping the right by helping people that have a good mind for the town win their thing. Like I think he ultimately does a lot of good for a lot of places, but there's also a lot of there's a lot of pain that has, was left in his wake in terms of figuring that out as he goes like there was a tremendous amount of pain and turmoil that was left in his wake and so like it is hard to point to any of those things and say like it's it's a very hard thing to say whether or not his legacy is a good one and i think that is something that he would say like something he would say about himself is he's like i don't know i was i was a guy at the end of the day i was a guy yeah i did i did i did what i did and i don't know if it was for better or for worse but I acknowledge that it was it was my legacy is there and it's for people to unpack. The one town that he shows well, he doesn't show his face in, but he shows up at every year, cloaked, shame, head down, embarrassed, sitting in the back of the bleachers in the back right corner, totally unassuming traveler. No one would ever know. Every year they watch the honey run and they feel that same pain that they can't let go of. They're thankful that it's still happening. They're happy to see the town still chugging along, but part of them still can't let go of that initial pain, the shame that they felt leaving mm-hmm. after winning the honey run. But they watch it every year. Yeah. Damn. Is that a wrap on a uh, yeah. Yacht Chudley? Damn, this episode fucking <laughs> went places. That episode was uh, a lot. I'm glad we talked about it, though, because it's, it's something that I, I like. You know, we peel back the curtain a lot, but- it's something that's it's so easy that in fantasy to be like, and then they brought, you know, in, in every video game, every RPG, you're always like liberating towns from tyrants and shit. And like, you know, it's it's more complicated than that. The adventurers show up and then dip. It's like, no, that's not exactly how this works at all. Um, so I'm glad we like talked about it a little. We we touched the yeah. surface. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, thank you so much for your <laughs> change of base. Thank you so much, Carlos Cisco, for your prompt. Uh, Carlos used our prompt submission channel on our Discord, and it's a great way to do it, but we have so many great ways for you to send us prompts. Jeff, do you know them all? I don't remember any of them. Uh, I can try. <laughs> you can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children for now. Uh, you can post to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. Again, 
for now. For now. <laughs> uh, you can email us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. That seems to be sticking around. There's yeah. been no like no 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 major email related turmoil. So that nope. seems like a safe option. Uh, or you can go to bit.ly slash AMFC Discord and post them in the prompt submission channel. Yeah, hang out in our Discord, talk about the show. I'm always there to address questions, answer any lore clarifications you need, because unfortunately, I have all of this in my head. Um, what else do we do on this show? Uh, oh, Jeff has other podcasts. Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing games. There are 345 episodes of me sitting down with designers one-on-one to play a two-player game, get to know them. It's a little bit interview show. It's a little bit actual play, and uh, there's a lot of them, and you can find them all at partyofonepodcast.com. Shabuya. All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network. The One Shot Podcast Network is our parent network. That provides us a place to keep creating, keep making cool shit. And it's the same thing for a lot of other cool creators where it fosters a community of inviting people to tabletop to engage with it in a way that is not gatekeepy, bigoted or weird and shitty in any way. And provides a lot of cool people a chance to talk about what they love in a, and provide a space for people to listen. That's really positive and a, a, a good source of good. <laughs> anyway, thanks One Shot Podcast Network. For being our parent. Verbal hug this week. I have one. Hit me. This episode went some motherfucking places. We got the prompt yacht chudley and we're like, time for a silly episode. Yordy, yordy, yor. But I like the fact that we got into some shit and I felt myself hitting the brakes, like pulling the e-brake of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're entering weird music man colonization, changing culture shit. And then we were like, no, I want to talk about this. And it, like, you know, don't don't pull the brake. If you're feeling that discomfort and stuff, honestly, that's what like this show is about, isn't discomfort, but it's about, if we say we're going to remake some fantasy concepts devoid of harmful tropes, if we feel one creeping in because it's so prevalent, uh, let's talk about it and let's find a way to navigate it and steer the ship in a better direction. Not the perfect course, but let's try our best to create something meaningful and I am glad that, listener, if you're still here, you're along for this ride as this becomes a lot more of like a creative writing fantasy show about, yes, telling fun stories and stuff, but they obviously have like a deeper purpose than that anymore and a point we're trying to make. So kind of if you have a direction that you want to go for a project, you have a vision, hold on to it. Don't let go of it like a dog grabbing a bone. And, you know, if it drags you in some places, obviously, if you're truly uncomfortable, you don't like it, pull that ripcord, pull a parachute. But it's okay sometimes to go, wait a minute, let's talk about this. Let's make something that we know we want to talk about and address because it's been in shit, our fiction um, before. So let's try to fix it and finagle it and make it better because everybody likes to talk that talk of like, we're making this that's better. But it's oftentimes hard and shitty, so it's important time to, uh, you know, shovel some shit and uh, get through the other side. So we just, you know, do the Aegean stable thing and clean them up, even yeah. though they keep filling with shit after every time you clean them. <laughs> yeah. What do you, do you have anything? Um, We kind of touched on mine already, but like, take a vacation. Yeah. Like, it is so easy. As people who make things, as creators, as creatives, as artists, as content creators, oh. uh, it is so easy to get wrapped up in the mindset of like, I gotta be making, I gotta be, I gotta be on the, I gotta be on the grind, I gotta be like 
firing at uh, uh, a thousand. I got to be firing at a thousand percent all the time. And that is not it's not sustainable. Like it's not. And, and the thing about burnout is that like it is far more insidious than you think. It is far more harder. It is far harder to notice that you're getting into that headspace than you think. And it is far uh, longer lasting than you realize. And so like like we were saying, you know, a tree trees take a quarter of the year off. Bread must bread must rest before it rises. Farmer must let must let the ground must let the ground rest before before planting. You have the ability to take time off like the work will be here when you get back. And that is antithetical to the algorithm driven hellscape that we live in. But it is also essential because it is the thing that is going to make the work that the work when you come back the most powerful work that it can be. Boom. That's awesome. And I agree. Um, go be nice to yourself and make stuff that you like. I like yeah. making stuff like this. So um. make stuff that you like and make the stuff that re make the stuff that recharges you. Yeah. Like, the, like there are projects, like there are things that you have, whether they are, whether they are projects, whether it's baking a loaf of bread, whether it's just, it's just staring at a ceiling and thinking about bees. Like there are the things that you have that are uniquely recharging to you and, you know, they might not be they might not be the the things that make the audience clap like they might not be the things that they do that you do for others that makes them more important to do for you like never like always have the things in the back pocket that you can still think of as a game because those are the things that recharge your batteries fuck yeah i love this and I think that's all we do here all right well then until next time good night and, and good game, game. Hello, Junior Wizard. Senior Wizard Aaron here with the first post-audio extra of 2023, and it's a small announcement. Whether you're listening to this as the first episode of 2023 and you're caught up and I love you for it, or you're catching up in the backlog and it's 2024, 2025, 2030, I love you either way. However, moving forward this year, 2023, or at least the first chunk Jeff and I were talking, and we want to focus on 2022 was all about making the world bigger and not talking so much about the five regions and all the stuff from before and the lore. We want to return to form. We want to go back and flesh out all those details about all the old things like Iron Hill and Geode and Purethra Guild and visit some previous characters and see now that we've evolved the world and created so much more stuff. How do those stories evolve, and what can we add to them, and what can we find out more about their history now that we know about interdimensional planes, magic, creatures, demons, all that stuff? What are the stories about, like, Pyrus Spencer, for example, you know, some of the lesser revisited ones, or even Big Jeremy and Arthur? How do they evolve now that we know more about the world? I'm just excited, and I wanted to share that with you. Um, if you've been listening to the show, I appreciate you. Um, and I wanted to just share my appreciation once again for you. You are the best. And moving forward, I hope you're caught up on the backlog, but we'll always do quick refreshers as to what we're talking about moving forward when we revisit stuff from like 2026, 27. You know, we don't care. We'll help you out in any way we can. Anyway, just wanted to let you know. 
So you have time to catch up on the backlog, but we're going to be diving into that world that we've been making. Ooh, remember those days when we wouldn't create, this is great for solo episodes. No, go back, listen, enjoy. And if you have questions, seriously, ping me on the Discord, but we're going to be going back to the oldies and bringing them into the modern AMFC. Anywho, no pressure. I love you. Goodbye.